Hey everybody, it's uh, Derek and John tonight. Will is, as we discussed last week, a little bit busy with his stuff. Uh, he's got some projects. He's got that 41 Chevy that he announced the debut of on last week's episode. Will has an announcement, or Will's big announcement. If you haven't heard that episode, check that out. You'll find out with this uh, 41 Chevy pickup that he's been posting all over social media, finishing up the build on where it's going to debut. It it it's a ride that I haven't seen in probably six, seven months. Really, really impressive when you saw it halfway through the build. I know Derek's seen it more recently than I. Um, as we just uh, discussed, it was the first uh, truck painted in Will's new paint booth. Uh, what did you think of the truck when you saw it, Derek? Oh, I think it's I mean, it's pretty cool. I've always liked that era of Chevy truck. <clears throat> um, you know, that it just the styling of that era of the Chevy truck is amazing. And uh I think everybody on the show knows or that listens to the show uh knows I'm 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 kind of a purist sometimes and I can be a little uh hard on, on Will about hot rods, but I will say, you know, I've seen the truck in person and some of the, the cool stuff he's been doing to it. It still holds the original Chevy styling, but he's definitely classed it up. It's not exactly, you know, what I might drive around, but I definitely give the truck a lot of looks at a show. We all know just partial to lowered things and that. And this this truck just has the perfect stance. And from what I could see when I saw it live and uh, I've seen some of the pictures of it during the build and that and it's just stanced right and knowing how Will does. Will taught me a lot about lowering vehicles over the last 20 years. I'm kind of jealous. We'll just say that. I'll also apologize for any audio quality. We've been having some, we had some issue with the uh, system that we've been using for the last year on recording and communicating. Uh, we're doing this over the phone with Derek tonight, so I do apologize if there's any audio issues. Don't know if there will be. But just in case there is, we're looking at a couple of new systems, and uh, we should have this all worked out in the next week or two. So let me just pre-apologize for any uh, static and such. Uh, it's all a little bit hard to work with with some new equipment. But let's dive right into this week's topic. Um, I was going through my Facebook feed, which I probably do way too often, and a automotive photographer friend of mine that uh, he does some pretty cool pictures for some of the big magazines. He but he posts all kinds of shared memes and stuff. Had one and it said, you know, why when two car, something to the extent of why when two cars two car guys get together, it's like a uh, some kind of contest that we can't use <laughs> his his metaphor. But you know, it's always a contest between two guys. And Let's call it a, a measuring contest. Yeah, that would be, yeah. Let's see who has the uh, greatest length of knowledge. Yeah. As everybody knows, Derek and I are car people, and we're car people through and through. You know, I drive a Ford. I drive a Hyundai. I'm kind of a Mopar—well, I actually am a Mopar guy. If Mopar could build a car that I was really happy with, I'd drive one. Things may change in the next couple of days. I don't know. I'm shopping for another vehicle. Surprise, surprise. And um, 
Mopar is actually on that list. So maybe if I buy one, uh, I know everybody in the country right now and the world that I've talked to is a little bit hot. Maybe uh, a certain place will f- freeze over and maybe we'll have a ni- nice ending to summer. We'll find out. Do you want to lead into this one, Derek, as opposed to me coming up with a direction and then you coming in with a much more intelligent, well-thought-out uh, statement and putting us on the correct track? Why don't you just take us down the proper exit road right now? Oh, Lord, do I have to? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was interesting because, you know, John, uh, you know, you and I were talking in the the pre-show and, and you brought this uh, this quote or this uh, meme or whatever it was up. And, uh, you know, we had a little sidebar conversation on it. And oddly, it, it came up in in the same week that I uh, had some interesting things happen uh, at at work, of course. I, I think most of our listeners know because we, we post some of them to our uh, social media here on the show. I, of course, for work, do a little thing called More Mondays, and it's it's a look inside the National Corvette Museum, mostly about what we're doing in the collections department, but occasionally we break out and, and talk to, or let's say, talk about uh, other parts of the museum experience as well. So, you know, we've talked about the little delivery department, things like this week uh, on More Mondays. We uh, we talked about growing the collection of vehicles that we have at the National Corvette Museum, and you know, as a curator, that's one of the things we do. We we look at the collection, we evaluate uh, the mission of of the museum, and you know, kind of how we want to develop the collection to tell the stories that we're trying to tell. And of course, being curator of of the Corvette Museum, I need to tell the story of Corvette, the history of Corvette the important stories that come out of Corvette that actually has a lot of different paths and involves a lot of cars that are not Corvettes on the episode of more Mondays this, this week, I opened the show driving a 1994 Impala SS and uh, it's recently been donated to the museum. And we talk about the donation of that car, why we brought that car in. Of course, for anybody that might not know, it has uh, LT1 engine in it, which is the engine that ran in the Corvettes. However, going into a family sedan like the Impala, they did a little detuning to it, took it from 300 horse to 260 horse, but they did up the torque on it to get a little bit quicker, uh, you know, get the, the weight of that big of a sedan moving <laughs> a little quicker. You know, we, we talked about the other cars we're looking for, which include things like, you know, we've talked about on the show here, Dodge Vipers, because Dodge Viper was brought out to compete against the Corvette to be another American sports car. It pushed Corvette to new boundaries uh, because Corvette engineers were kind of caught off guard that the Viper was coming out. You know, it's a story we need to tell it at the museum. I'll tell you, our our social media lit up on on Facebook where we post the video, um, you know, YouTube, all those places where the video gets up, uh, put up. We got a lot of comments from from our. you know, viewers from our, uh, you know, probably a lot of members, supporters in the museum. It was both sides. It was, oh man, this is amazing. So glad that more of the Corvette story is going to be told. And the other side of it was, 
why would you do that? It's not a Corvette. This isn't Corvette related. You know, this isn't, this isn't a Corvette. It's, I only want to know about Corvettes. Those comments, of course, on that side got a lot of back and forth. You know, that's kind of where, you know, when John brought up this meme and, and we talked about it in the pre-show, it immediately, immediately made me th- think about that situation because, you know, why is it that when car people get together, it winds up in this battle of wits, this I'm better than you or my car is better than you or why would you want to talk about that? Because that doesn't even matter to me. It's always, it's hard because it's, it's always seems like, and, and I don't want to call anybody out in the hobby. I don't want to, uh, you know, bad mouth any group. I'm, I'm only using groups as an example, but you know, if you get a, a group of muscle car guys together and a couple, you know, and I think we can all agree. Muscle car guys tend to be more middle-aged people right now. At this time, you know, at this this day in in age, most of your muscle car people are are middle age, and I, I'll you know include myself, you know, thirties to sixties, let's call it, because I've owned muscle cars in my life. Yeah, I'm just, but as John said, I like all cars. You get a group of those guys together, and a young kid in a tuner shows up, and those guys want nothing to do with that guy because. Why would you, why is that, that tuner sucks. Why would you do that to a car? You know, all those things. And, you know, oh, our car's better and this, that. And and even within those, that group of muscle car guys, you get the guys that sit there and say, well, did you know that the 1965 GTO had this option and this option, which made it, uh, you know, have this much horsepower? becomes this competition of I know more about your car than you know about your car. And I think it's a horrible way to encourage the hobby to carry on. It is what is pushing, I think, the hobby into these cliques that I think we see forming where all the tuner guys have to join up in that parking lot over there and only get to talk about their tuners over there. And, uh, you know, muscle car guys hang out downtown on the, on the square every Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, well, the antique car guys, we don't even talk to them because they're just out driving their cars around having fun. Why, why would you want to do that and not park in a parking lot or, you know, sit around in, in lawn chairs and talk about your cars. Yeah, we need to stop the, as we say, the measuring competition of what um, length and, um, you know, depth of knowledge, um, you know, you have about your car or someone else's car and enjoy the hobby and enjoy the fact that we all share a common interest in some type of of wheeled self-propelled vehicle and i say that because i'm not going to lump it into just cars you know uh, motorcycle guys they're they're passionate about the same things we are just they have two wheels you know they're they're passionate about the history of their their motorcycles their vehicle let's call them vehicles just lump everything together it's the same thing all of us are interested in we enjoy them maybe we don't have the same passion as someone else in the brand or the type of car or vehicle, but they're still all vehicles and it's still a common interest. And it just drives me crazy that we get into this nitpicky 
self-determined, I've got to prove myself. No, you don't. You own a car. It's running. It's driving. It's coming to the show. And you're enjoying driving that car, owning it, and hanging out with people that share a common interest. Isn't that enough? I think you make a lot of valid points there, Derek. I've been saying it for years, and you bring up the guys with, we'll say, the import. I like to point out, I started there. That's kind of you know where where I began. Yeah, my first car was a Dodge Omni. My second car was a Mazda pickup. My third car was a CRX. And I first modifications I really did, other than car stereo, was to that Mazda pickup. And then I started a little little bit more with the CRX and. You know, seven or eight cars later, I was back to another CRX, and that's when I did my first engine swap. And no, actually, it wasn't. I I apologize. My first engine swap was back when I was a mini trucker, and uh, my Ford Courier with its uh, Buick V6, I bought that way, or my uh, Azuzu that I put a 350 Chevrolet motor in. But there I am with my Japanese cars learning the the trade or learning what to do and you know i like i said eventually went to the crx's and i started to learn that's car in the car where i went oh wait i'm spending a lot of money on a car that's totally worthless uh and that's when i kind of started becoming a lotus guy i am because well (laughs) they kind of had some resale if i would have been treated you know like dirt and ignored at car shows just because I drove a CRX. Would I be here today talking to you? Would I be restoring cars? You know, there's probably 40 or 50 cars in my life that are still around because of me. Somebody else may have came and done them, but would it be the correct way or such? Uh, of course, you know, I might also have been just that arrogant person who stuck it out, and this is my Honda, and you're going to like it, and I'm going to show up and park next to your Impala. But I fortunately learned car guys, and you know we we all know that I mean will builds hot rods for a living, but he's a low rider, you know he talks about his uh two wheel drive k five blazer quite often on the show. I talk about my c r x quite often on the show uh Derek talks about his g t o then you get Derek with his oh pick whatever pre war car you know we were talking the other day he's I think he's looking for a Model T if anybody's got one. And it's it's all over the board. Um, I think I alluded in last week's episode, the bay in my shop or bay at work for me right now are Model T's and Lotus Esprit's and 50s era Lotus sports racers. You know, I'm covering, you know, I go 1920 to 19, mid-50s to 1990s. And... Yeah, there's kind of sports cars, but there's also kind of, you know, just post-brass era cars. And then, like I said, I'm, you know, thinking of maybe buying a, a, a new van. All of a sudden, I'm I'm harassing the girlfriend with pictures of the 70s van era and say, hey, look, I can do this or I can do that, kind of joking, you know. You know, make me a shagging wagon with, you know, shag carpeting and wood paneling and, you know, fake brick and porthole windows and, yeah, oh, don't forget! Don't forget the airbrushing. Oh, uh, well, well. See, if if you happen to buy one of the certain vans I'm looking at, and I do it under my LLC, they're going to give me five hundred dollars credit for uh, vinyl graphics. So my airbrushing would be oh. done in vinyl. But <laughs> nice. 
but she sent me something and I can't remember. It was something about to do with Archer. I don't want, she's trying to get me into Archer and it was some vans or something from there. And I said, yeah, you know, remember this manufacturer will give me $500 to print that on vinyl and put it on my van. So it's supposed to be corporate logos, but I don't think I actually have to submit them to them. I just have to submit them a bill for the vinyl graphics. So it can either say no driving gloves or I can have some sort of um, sunny and share sunset. But it, I'd go with the sunset. But that that's exactly it. Is I'm all over the board when it comes to cars, and you know I I go to a car show and I'll talk to the Mopar people, and then I'll talk to the Mustang people, and then I'll go talk to the Thunderbird people, and then I'll go talk to the Corvette people, then I'll go talk to to the Japanese people, Japanese car people. And it just, I don't care what you're driving. As long as you're out there having fun, doing your passion, we're all going to get to where we, you know, want to be. I mean, people from my era, you know, this Radwood craze, I talk to people that are even just 10 years older than me, so it puts them into their mid-50s, pushing 60, and they don't understand. Why are you people so you know, excited about 560 SEC Mercedeses and why Why all of a sudden, you know, Derek, Beretta GTs, why do you, why all of a sudden do you want a turquoise Beretta GT? You know, things like that. Why do you want a Cavalier or a Citation? These are the cars we grew up with. I, I've, I've never understood somebody, sorry, Derek, who wants a 72 Nova? That, that car has never made sense to me. But, that's all right. I don't want a 72 Nova. I want a 74 Pontiac GTO. And I, I, I can sit back now and I, I can even see the kids that are in high school right now. I, I just came here from a, a student event and the cars, there there's going to be people 20 years now from, from now that are going to be wanting their turbo velocitors, their BRZs, their 370Zs, their Honda Insights, you know, their Civic SIs, because they couldn't have them when they were in high school. And, you know, they're, they're you know, the, these are new cars to me and you and people out there, but they're going to be the, they're the classics of tomorrow. Uh, you know, to keep the car culture going, we can't laugh at the guy that shows up in, you know, so what if he pulls up in one of the old, um, the Honda Insight from the year 2000, you know, the little CRX-looking arrow thing sat two people, or even the Honda Insight from five or six years ago. I think they were discontinued in 14. If he shows up at a car show with it and he's actually done the Honda, you know, Honda Performance makes stuff for those cars to boost the power a little bit and don't don't make fun of them embrace them because they're going to they're going to be the people that come and you know buy my Taurus SHO in 20 years because they want an SHO that's you you can be an expert on your car be considerate of the other person when you're having the conversation i guess is where i'm trying to go is embrace other things we all have things we like and we don't like uh take your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your wife or your husband you like them because of what they are, and yeah, you want to show them off to other people, but those people have a significant other. They that that might not be your taste, but you know it's bad putting women with cars or men with cars or things like that. But you know, 
I'll be honest, I was 16 or 17 once, and I used to joke about my girlfriends like I do with cars. You know, you keep them for a year, you trade them in and get another one. Well, I keep girlfriends longer than cars. They're probably the things I keep around the longest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's kind of bad to say, but <laughs> I guess it's the, that's the way it's supposed to be, though. You have your significant other because you like all the qualities in that. And I drive my Citation X11 because I like all the qualities in that. Or I drive my Ford EXP because of all the qualities in that. And you drive your 72 big block Corvette because you like those qualities. You know, I like redheads. You like blondes. It's I'm going that way because we all relate to significant others, you know, male, female. The only two choices they give us, as Sam Kinison used to say, you know, <laughs> but there's dating me again to the Radwood era, but am I am I thinking this thing through right, Derek, or am I just babbling on and on in a roundabout circle and all our listeners have gone away? Well, a, a little bit of both, probably. Hopefully, the listeners come back. No, it's a good it's a good example, and I, you know, I not everyone in the in the hobbies like that. You know, I I hope no one took offense to this and. You know, we say the meme says, you know, why is it when two car guys get together, you know, this happens and it, it's not every car guy. It, you know, there are a lot of, of car people still out there that they are in this for the fun. They're in it for the hobby, but it is what I hope is the minority of people in this hobby uh, that act like this. And it's those people that, as we are talking about, are are really hindering the hobby. You know, as and John, I you know, I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, working in museums and and being the the car you know person for that museum, be it you know being the curator of of museum or when I was at Henry Ford Museum being you know, part of the conservation team and, and the person on the conservation team that, uh, that really took care of the car collection there. When you when you go out to shows and, and you have a car from the museum out at the show, there's always the people that want to come up and prove that they know more than you about the car that you have at the show on display with you. And I always called it, you know, uh, stump the curator is, is I always like to joke. And, you know, the, I don't think these people are, are trying to be mean in any way or anything like that, but, you know, I always try to explain to them that, you know, not every car person knows every single detail about one car because maybe that's the car that they own you know okay you're at a show with a uh, let's say a a 1965 gto or you know hey i'm out at a show yeah i don't know why you dropped I don't know either. I, I didn't see any reason for it. Yeah. And so you, are we still recording? Yep. I didn't stop any of that. I figured you'd call back real quick. Okay. Ready to go? Yep. All right. You remember? So, yeah, I remember. Yep. 
All right, you ready? Yep. Okay. You know, so I'm out at the uh, a car show with you know a, a anything. Let's let's uh, a fairly common car, even a Model T, a '65 GTO. Uh, you know, a, a second generation, you know, what they call the mid-year Corvette, 60, 63 to 67 Corvette. Right, uh, right. Let me interrupt. Right there is one of those prime examples. Not a lot of people will know what a mid-year Corvette is. That's why Derek defined it. But a Corvette guy and a lot of car guys will. But uh, uh, Very true. Very true. Yeah, and... But you know you're you're out at a show with with any of these cars that uh, what I'll call you know a, a common car, uh, something that there were a lot of them produced. Uh, a lot of guys collect them now, and there's always got to be the few that come up and and they know more about that car than you do, because it's the car that they also own and they've studied that car and that model year of that car, or that you know run of that car, generation of that car. And they know every single detail. And I always, in some way, try to get through to those people that, you know, it's it's my job to take care of a lot of different brands, makes, years, eras of cars. Everything from brass era to some of the modern cars that are driving on the street today and the trick is that I have to know a little bit about all of them, but I need to know the greater context of the significance of those cars in history and, and in the industry itself and, and why that some of the things that happen with them are important. Even down to minivans. I mean, people think, well, you know, John, you know, you're talking about getting a minivan. People think, well, there's nothing significant about a minivan. There's a ton of significance behind the development of the minivan by Chrysler. You know, uh, I mean, we've got a great connection to Chrysler here. We, we've been talking about Chrysler on tonight's show a little bit. And, you know, there's people that think there's absolutely no reason a minivan is important, uh, you know, in, in this hobby. And there is. There's extreme significance behind the reason the minivan was developed, the reason it exists, and how it was created. So much so that the Historic Vehicle Association just put a, the, the very first minivan built into the National Historic Vehicle Registry. I understand that collectors get passionate about one thing. You know, people like to collect one thing. Uh, you know, there's, there's people out there that, I mean, my, one of my other hobbies is I collect clocks. Uh, I prefer clocks that are, are, you know, uh, hand wound clocks. I, I, I don't collect a lot of electric plug-in clocks. I think I have one in my collection, um, because of its art deco styling, but I prefer mantle clocks and wall clocks from the late 1800s. But I also have a lot of different brands of clocks. American, uh, you know, German Black Forest, um, things like that. And I, I get that people, you know, even in the car hobby, collect, maybe they just want to collect the GTO because it's something significant to them. And they they like knowing everything they possibly can about a GTO. I mean, we need experts in those fields. 
because those are, especially when they get involved in the clubs, we need those guys to become experts in, in that specific make and model of car, point out that you know, when you're restoring the car, this is the way it would have been from factory. But when you're just hanging out in a general situation with friends, with a bunch of car guys that own a bunch of different cars, sometimes we need to turn that that expertise off. And we need to accept that, you know what, we're just a bunch of people that love the same thing, cars or vehicles in general, and we're all here to have a good time. I'm... I shouldn't be here to prove to everybody in this circle that I know more about them or no, I know more about my 1965 Mustang that I showed up here with than Tom over there knows about the 1965 Mustang he drove tonight. We don't need to do that. We just need to get together and have fun and enjoy the hobby and encourage the younger generation that might have different interests than us to be in the hobby as well. And, you know, I think that's where this conversation is, is going tonight and, and what we're trying to talk about. And I want to, I want to kind of bring something up from very early on in the show. Uh, I believe it was when John and I did first show on the history of the automobile, you know, we're kind of, taking that in sections and we we pump out a, a show every now and then that talks about a certain uh you know decade of of or maybe a certain time period of automobiles and, and what happened in their history um but as i recall i think it was the very first show of that i was talking about some cars and you know i threw out some names of of early automobiles that of course are orphan makes they're they're no longer made they haven't been made probably since pre-world war one and i think we got a, a comment on one of our social media accounts i honestly don't remember which one it was i wish i did because i'd look it up because i'd love to uh mention the commenter's name and and you know because i appreciated the comment so much the guy said i i know it's an, an hour-long show but it takes me like three hours to get through it because you throw out the name of a car I've never heard of, and I got to pause the show and go look the car up online to, to learn about it. That to me is what this is about. It's about maybe someone does have a bit of knowledge that you don't know, but they present it in a way that you go, Oh man, I want to go learn about that. I want to understand that. I want to, I want to, you know, really dig into that and learn about what that person's talking about. I don't want to feel like, Oh, you know, this guy's just being a jerk to me and trying to prove, you know, he's got bigger cojones than I do because he knows that, you know, it's to me, it's about educating people and getting them interested in it. And hopefully that person's listening. And if, it, if they are and they hear this, I that comment meant a lot to me, uh, especially in the early days of this uh, podcast, because. It, it at least showed me and I don't know how, you know, hopefully it showed John and Will that, you know, people are actually getting something out from us doing this podcast. That's what I think this hobby should be all about. We, we don't need to have the competition about who knows more and, and, you know, whose car is better because they know more and they restored it better than the next guy. It's just about 
let's share knowledge, let's have fun, and keep the cars going, get them on the road, drive them, and preserve them, and, and save them, and let people enjoy them for as long as we possibly can. Exactly. Everything Derek said is right there and true. We'll be in a museum situation, and as Derek alluded, you know, I I work... I talk about the Lotus Collection where I work quite often. And if none of you are familiar with the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum, go ahead, click on it, uh, find it on Google or such. We're not a Lotus Museum. We're not even thought of as a car museum. We have over 100 cars in our collection, but we are not thought of as a car museum. We're We're thought of as a motorcycle museum because that's what we kind of promote ourselves for, our mission statement is the preservation of motorcycles. We have 1,600 motorcycles in our collection. So there's many times I'll get caught by somebody in the museum who wants to tell me what's incorrect or has to tell me about their first motorcycle. And I'm going to be flat honest. This, you know, this podcast is mine. I do it on my own. I'm not a huge motorcycle guy. And I'll tell people that in the museum. I am an oddball out there. But they brought me on because of my car knowledge. But I'll listen to you with interest, and I don't correct you because I don't know how to correct you. But I learn from you. And after ten and a half years at the museum, I understand this passion for motorcycles, and I understand, you know, it begins to make sense to me. And then I'll get the guys that come through there that know their Ferraris or their Lotus or they'll have a story about a Lotus or their buddy raced one or owned one or everybody had a seems to have a Europa twin cam at some point in their life. And you listen to the stories and some people will tell you incorrect things. And some people you can politely say, no, no, this is what you're remembering. Um, I recently listened to a pot two podcast revisionist history and discussing memory and how even things that we do are remembered wrong. I'm guilty of it. I guarantee you I'm guilty of it. I'm not aware of it. And that's what Malcolm's discussing in his two podcasts, that people tell stories and the facts change. But to them, that is the way it happened. Uh, He talks about a study, I'm getting a little deep here, about uh, the 9-11 attacks. And that was a perfect time for these two scientists to do a case study. And a day after the attack, they approached a thousand people that were there or, you know, around and said, where were you when you heard the news? What did you do? And recorded them. And then they went back to them a year later. And then they went back to them two years later. And now they go back to them 10 years later. And all of a sudden, even though they recorded themselves saying, I was in the kitchen and I was making bacon and eggs and little Johnny was at the table. And that's on recorded the day after the attacks. That's what they were doing. Ten years later, no, they were in their car on their way to work. And our our brains play tricks on us. And you have to take that into account when you're dealing with people and their knowledge on cars. Uh the big thing on the Malcolm thing is the Brian Williams story and uh, Afghanistan and how he put himself in the thick of the action when he really wasn't there, but he honestly believes it. It's an interesting thing if you want to 
dive deep into revisionist history. There, there's my podcast recommendation. That's how I find other podcasts. But you just have to le- learn to work with the work with people. And some people, you know, right away, you're never going to correct them. You're never going to get it right, even though you were the person who just spent the last three thousand hours of your life intimately with this car, disassembling it, reassembling it, talking to the people that raced it and built it. No, they are. They're still no no more than that. And if you don't believe these people, as the old saying goes, if you don't believe these people exist, you're that person. But you've got to be understanding and you just you just go with it. And Will and I and Derek, I don't think that's proper English. Zara will yell at me about that. However, that's supposed to be said. Yeah, yeah, definitely not proper. <laughs> yeah, I'm really good about not about speaking foreign English. But yeah, I speak British without the accent. But we're. We all do this for money. We all, we obviously are all in the industry, and we all get pay, get paychecks because of the cars in our lives. But when it comes down to it, we're truly those people that do this because we love it. You know, do what you love, and you've never worked a day in your life. Uh, do what you love, and you quickly learn you don't have a hobby. But uh, that's true. We're just passionate about all cars. And we, you meet and learn a lot about people. And I think I've said before, the Porsche Club and the Viper Club of America both have similar or statements or mottos. And uh, it's not the car; it's the cars that brought us together. It's the people that keep us coming back. And car people are car people. And what I've also learned being with the museum, and Derek alluded to a little bit earlier. Motorcycle people are car people. Motorcycles are their main passion, but they're still car people there. And doing our managing our historic barber historic swap meet when we were having it, which was a car focused swap meet, we started to allow some motorcycle people into that swap meet because you know what? Motorcycle people go to car events and car people go to motorcycle events. So uh, even this year, I've taken a couple of, uh, we've got a unique situation and we've got space because of the w- things we're doing. So for our fall motorcycle swap meet, there's a couple people slipping in with some car parts. I'm not saying that if you've got car parts, call me and you'll get in. We're selective. You still have to have some motorcycle stuff in that. But I never thought of a motorcycle person being a car person. I never understood a car person being a motorcycle person other than, oh, I'm out of garage space, but I just I need I need a decoration. So I'll buy a motorcycle. Now, there's a reason behind it, because some of us and I'm going to say some of you, because I, I, I don't love motorcycles. I don't know if I'll ever own another one, but they are. I understand them. I understand the hobby. I understand your passion. I understand why you like them. And I want to learn all about them. Come tell me about them. And likewise, you know, if you're a Ford F100 fan, you know, love the 76 Ford F100, but somebody wants to come tell you about his Supra, let him. You might learn something. You might find a good friendship. You might, you know, both of you probably are going to do a little bit of welding. You're going to deal a little bit with spring rates. You're going to talk about compression and motor to engine tuning. So what if it's on a six-cylinder Toyota 
or your, you know, 390 big block Ford, what's what's the difference? It's it's all the same thing when it comes down to it. I mean, except those rotary guys with the triangle pistons, all of us have an oval, you know, some sort of round thing that goes up and down in our mo- motors. And you know, the the rotary's just just a cool thing to do. And I've recently read something about a rotary that's kind of reversed where the rotor stays stationary and the block rotates around the rotor. And, you know, just new engineering thing in the cars. I need to look that up and probably, we probably need to discuss some of this engine technology, but it, it all goes together. Uh, that tour of the lane that I did a couple of months back that I think, uh, I don't know, Zara and I talked about on the show when her and I did an episode we put videos up and he he had, you know, the rotary engine and a two stroke and a, a gasoline and a diesel, these operational models. We put the videos up of those models working and it's all the same thing. It's all putting some sort of fuel, whether it be gasoline, propane, natural compressed natural gas, hydrogen or even electric and converting that to some other energy to create motion. It's all the same. And. We just have to look at it, and while we all love a different person because of all their different shapes and colors and sizes, and we all love other people, and it's just being friends. Why can't we all get along, I guess? Totally confused, Derek. No, I'm sorry. I was I was in shock. I'm trying to figure out what uh, what Zara has done to you to make you such a a softy. <laughs> no, no, I, I I completely agree with you, John. I mean, like you know, as you're saying, and like I said, when it when it comes down to it, you know, we're all we're all playing with the the same thing, and and. I'm going to go back to my early days of college. Our listeners may or not be may or may not be shocked by this, but uh, I was not a history guy uh, when I left high school and went into college. Uh, I was actually a, a science guy. I, I was studying chemistry, and I actually have about five and a half years of chemistry <laughs> behind me. Uh, and then I. I got into kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with life because something in me said, well, I don't really know if I want to be involved in chemistry forever. I enjoyed it at the time, but there was just something nagging at me. And uh, I got into, well, I found this museum studies program at the college I was going to and Thought it sounded interesting, so I went and looked at it, and it was only a minor. Uh, I could only get a minor in it as an undergrad, so I had to have a different you know, major and started thinking about museum studies. Well, you know, museums, I mean, they're, most of them are history places. You know, they deal in history, and I've, I've liked old cars and old stuff since I was a kid. So I got involved. Yeah, you know, I, I decided to go the history route and started taking history classes. Hadn't decided if it was going to be my major yet. Uh, I hated history in high school. Um, it was obviously, you know, for anyone who's been to college, high school, and then to college, 
you know that history is taught quite a bit different between the two. And, you know, I got into history in college and, and I thought, you know, it's not bad, but I'm, I'm just, I'm still, it's not interesting me the way it should. And it wasn't until I think two years into history classes, I had a professor. It was the first day of class and it was a, I'm trying to remember if I think it might've been civil war to civil rights. So basically, you know, 1860s America to 1960s America, that hundred year span between the civil war and civil rights. Of course, you've got a whole bunch of people in the class. It's the first day. Everybody's asking questions. This is a class that is, you know, everything from freshmen to, to senior level college students in it. And, uh, of course, one of the, the younger, you know, freshmen in the class always, you always have to have that one guy that asks the question. Uh, they're going to be like exams in this class. Yes, of course, there's going to be tests and exams. Uh, they're going to be open book. And the professor said something that completely changed my mind on the way I looked at history. And I'm I'm getting to a point here, John. I apologize for being long-winded. Um, but the professor said, you know what? I don't care if you have your book out during your test or not. Because it won't help you pass my test. History books are written to capture important names and dates in history and events that occurred. But if you don't understand what happened in our world, in our societies, and in our cultures, because of those people, those events, and those dates, you're not a historian. That changed my whole outlook on a lot of things because it quickly made me realize that names, dates, events to memorize those means nothing if you don't understand the greater story that comes out of it so you know in in looking at the automobile world yeah i I kind of looked at that as kind of a life philosophy as well um, when that happened and you know okay go ahead and memorize the fact that you know you've got 300 and 427 cubic inches of engine that produce 426 actually I'm probably saying that backwards but you know I'm just throwing numbers out here 426 horsepower and I've got you know a 4 inch bore and a 5 inch stroke and you know memorize all of that and, and know all of that that's fine if you want to do that but the the greater story here that we're talking about is that all of these cars have different facts about them, but those of us in the car hobby and those of us that get together for fun and do this, we're there for the greater story. We're there for the greater friendship of all of these people that are into cars and into driving them around and enjoying each other's company because we share a common interest. We don't all necessarily 
memorize the exact technical details of our cars. Uh, You know, uh, some people just like to have the car and go drive it around and have some fun with it. Some guys like to put it on the track. Some guys like to do this. It's not about the nitpicky little details. It's not about, in history, it's not about, oh, I memorized exactly the date and exactly the general's name that did that. Well, great, but what happened because he did that? You know, a whole entire concentration camp of Jewish prisoners were released because that man did that. And it changed all of the lives of those people. It's the same thing in the car hobby. Let go of memorize. I mean, I'm not saying you have to let go of it, but don't bring it to an event and and be a, a snob about it just because you have it memorized and you know it better than the next guy. Just enjoy the company. Enjoy the greater good of what's going on. Very complex way of saying a very accurate point. I like to be complex. I think our listeners have figured that out. Uh, (laughs) As soon as my head gets put back together here. (laughs) Let me tell you my college story and how I got to... (laughs) I'm just kidding with you. But (laughs) it was a whole bunch of bad decisions and a lot of beer. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Maybe a lot of vodka, but something like that. You know, Derek's right. Is just because you can give me every statistic and uh, and please don't take this wrong for our younger listeners, because I used to do it. You can quote every car that was ever written about in Road and Track and Car and Driver, or I guess today it's on YouTube or a Top Gear or insert, you know, show of choice. Just because you can read that stats page to me. There's a lot more. Uh, I'm a Lotus fan, but it's not necessarily because of the cars. I'm a Lotus guy because of Colin Chapman and his thinking and his engineering and what's behind the cars. You can walk through our museum and read every you know placard on every car, motorcycle, outboard motor, airplane engine, you you know everything we've got, bicycle and know all of those stats but you don't under you know you don't necessarily understand why the stuff's there i don't know why we've gotten so deep in there in this um you know knowing stats is one thing but knowing why somebody loves them why somebody assembled that collection the way it is uh whether it be at our museum or whether it be at Derek's museum or whether it be at the Peterson Automotive Museum or the LeMay collection there's a you know there's more than just the cars and with the exception of Derek's and obviously they're trying to branch out because they just did the you know cars made in Kentucky and they're doing the Louis Chevrolet exhibit and he talked about his more Mondays here's us wrapping all the way back to the beginning of the show with an Impala SS our museum encompasses everything. It's not just Harleys. It's not just Ferraris. It's not just Hondas. It's everything. The LeMay Museum, when Harold LeMay passed away, he had 3,200 cars, but they were what he liked and what his passion was. The Peterson's no different. The Collier Museum or the, the, the Revs Institute, they have a wide variety of everything. I mean, there's a focus there on significantly sports cars or um 
the Simeon's the same way, a little bit more sports car oriented, but they tell stories and a passion and it's the artifacts, one thing and the specifications behind it. And I think that's, that's what Derek was saying, especially with the, the history class. It's not what the book tells you. And on this date in 1953, this happened with, and such and such a city, but the, behind the path, you know, why that happened. And that's the whole, that's the whole car game to me and Derek and Will and mo- a lot of my car friends and some of the guests that are being upcoming on the podcast. It's not a focus on one thing. One of the guests that we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks, he's known pretty well in social media and in magazines as a rotary guy. And he's in the process of building a small block Chevy to put into a rotary car. We'll let, we'll get into it when we talk to him. But he's a car guy. You know, he's not a rotary guy, even though that's his passion and his expertise. He's exploring something else to go, hey, there's something here. Why? He may not like it. You know, and I had another car friend convert a 66 Mustang and this is five or six years ago they built this car to an electric fastback Mustang, which now is kind of a little bit more, happens a little bit more often. But it's, again, exploring that. They they love the Mustang, but they love the technology. So this car stuff, if you are that Camaro collector, that five liter Mustang guy, or that Honda Civic CRX SI, and that's the only thing in the world. Just crack the window a little bit and look across the aisle at the car show or walk across the parking lot. You know, take your Mopar hat off and walk over and talk to the guy. Put a hat on and cover up your blue hair and go talk to the guy you're sitting over there with a 53 Packard. I guarantee you, you have something in common and don't, you know, don't, don't prejudge anything. Everybody's sitting in that parking lot or that car show or at that gas station because they like their car and they want to talk about it. But if you're a really true car guy, you want to, you, you're doing it because you want to learn more. Do you have anything else to add to that, Derek? Or no, I think that was a, a great way to to sum it all up. And you know, like I say, just in, encourage our listeners to to uh, you know, as you say, open up their minds and and their eyes and talk to each other and and just enjoy the hobby and enjoy all this work that we do. And and like I said, hopefully our our shows are showing that that you know we we all have a little bit different interests but the three of us get along and and uh have a good time together and well when will shows up but we still have a good time together i think we all get along and like i was alluding to there we've got some uh changes in store for the show coming up we are lining up those interviews we've promised you for many months uh, Zara will be joining us again for some episodes, and we might look at a couple rotating hosts a little bit, uh, just not replacing anybody, just to fill in or maybe have a fourth point of view some weeks or a fifth point of view. 
So be looking for some changes to the show. Follow us on the social media. Like I say, no driving gloves and uh, Facebook or Instagram mostly. I think the Twitter feed just lets you know when the new podcast releases. And with that, and since Derek complimented my nice summary, it happens every 57 episodes or so, um, I'm going to go ahead and say night. And safe driving. Have a good night. And uh, you know what? I'm going to end it with a challenge. I'm going to challenge our listeners to go out to the car show, find a car that they're not interested in at the show, and talk to the owner and learn something new. <laughs>